0: Well, good morning, Bethel. i uh, really looking forward to diving into God's Word together. I hope you have a Bible with you there in your home. Grab it, pull it out, and uh, be sure to follow along. Let's bow our hearts together and uh, come to God in prayer as we prepare to hear from Him. Gracious Father, we love you. We love you so much. We've been singing praise to you, adoring who you are as our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We now come to your word and we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us, show us the truth you want to hear. Um, Give great encouragement and strength and hope and even salvation today for those who do not yet know you. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Last week, if you were with us, I hope you were, or if not, you can pop online and check out our message last week. We were in Romans chapter 7, and we learned about this inner battle that is waging inside of every single follower of Jesus. This, this war that goes on inside of every follower of Jesus every day between the Spirit of God who's come into a, a, a person who's given their life to Jesus and the sinful nature that bent toward sin and the wrestling that goes on. And, and as we go through that, that wrestling, as we go through that struggle, we, we inevitably, we, we stumble, we fumble, we trip, we slide, we fail, and we struggle. And we are not always on the straight and narrow. And as we make those mistakes, as we fumble, as we look back on the path where we have not walked perfectly, these thoughts start popping into our heads. This lie gets chirped in our ear. Things like, you, you really are no good. You're, you're a fake. If you really were a Christian, you wouldn't struggle like this. If you really were devoted to God, you wouldn't have these thoughts pop into your mind. The fact that you are wrestling like this, struggling like this, have messed up again, just shows you really aren't good enough. To which, the passage we are in today, Romans chapter 8, we're in the first 11 verses, so beautifully and powerfully and graciously speaks to us. Have you ever found yourself at a point where you're trying to make a big decision and you've got two sort of options in front of you. I I don't know if it's like, you've got a new job offer and it's like, do I go with this job, the new one, or do I stay with this one? Maybe it's the thought of, do we move to a new house or a new city? Do I go to this one or that one? I've got to choose which school I'm going to go to. Well, there's this school or there is that school. Um, You know, there's all these different things and you, you, options of how this could work out. And and you're like, okay, I could go this way or that way. And it's almost like, you know, you actually grab like a piece of paper out and you, you wanna draw a line like right down the middle and on a one side you write pro and on the other side you write con. And you've got a list just like this where you now start Okay, if I did option A, if I did option B, it would be and you look and you compare how these two options could go. Have You ever done that before? As I studied our text that we are in today, Romans chapter 8, the first 11 verses, that picture of two columns, am I going to choose option A or option B, just jumps out of our text, I think and captures really the the reflections that the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is giving to us as we we consider that wrestling going on inside of us that we looked at chapter 7. It's a a side-by-side comparison. A side-by-side comparison, column A, column B, left side, right side, two different lives that are compared before us. One life is the life that is in Christ. The other life is a life that is in the flesh, not walking by Christ. And so let's walk through our passage. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to dive into it. Here's what it says, beginning verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on the nature what nature desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot even please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I, I want you to picture you've got a piece of paper, you grab your pen out, you write a line right down the middle, and on the left side, and I don't know, maybe even as notes here, you want to actually do this at home. You grab your pen out and on the left side, you write in Christ. And then on the right side, you write in the flesh. In Christ is the the person, the man or woman who has given their life to Jesus. The person is described also as in the spirit because same person, because a person who has followed Jesus, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit has come in to live within them. The the in-the-flesh person is the one who has not surrendered their life to Jesus. In the NIV translation, which is what we work off of each week, there are actually a few different phrases that appear to be there in English, but in the original language, they're actually all the same word. We see it called, the NIV translates that at one point, the sinful man. Another point, it calls it the sinful nature. Several other points, it's natural desires. These are all actually the same word, and they all mean in the flesh, apart from Jesus, on their own. And so, left side, we see, first of all, here, it's going to walk through this comparison, these two different people. In Christ, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have given their lives to Jesus, despite their past, despite their past struggles and failings, despite their present struggles and stumbles, even in spite of their future mistakes and sins and struggles they wrestle through, over top of them, Over top of all of their life is a blanket declaration. There is now no condemnation over the one who is in Christ. There is no penalty. There is no accusation. There is no guilty verdict. Why? How? Because God sent his son as a sacrifice offering To forgive us. That's what verse 3 says. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so God condemned sin in sinful man. And there's the contrast. Do you see it? Do you see the contrast? The other side of this? The men and women who are still in the flesh are weakened and powerless to save themselves. They are guilty for their sin and they are powerless to do anything to rescue or save themselves. So we've got on the left side, no condemnation. And on the right side, they are guilty and powerless. We we see this two sides again. In verse six, the left side of the column is a person who has peace. That is is the blessing of of God, the favor of God, the serenity with God. Verse 6, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Put that side by side with verse 7. The sinful man is hostile to God. That phrase, that word hostile, it means war. It means in intense hatred, ill will, deep-seated Fighting against God. You can go back to the left side again. We see verse 5 that the man or woman who is in Christ lives according to God's ways. They delight to follow, to set their mind on the ways of God. But the person apart from Jesus just utterly rejects the ways of God. Verse 5 those who live according to the sinful nature. That's the right column. Have their minds set on what that nature desires. Their will, their way, their sin. But it continues, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Again, we look left column, verse 3 and 4. It says, the person who who is in Christ, they have fully, completely, totally met the perfect, pure, righteous requirements of God. His perfect standard. They are made perfect. Verse three, and so God condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law, that's the perfect standard of God's law, might be fully met in us fully met in us. Compare that to verse 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. The people that are in the flesh literally cannot please God. Even their best attempts, their most noble desires, their greatest aspirations does not even begin to scratch the surface of pleasing God because sin has so tainted and poisoned and marred, the filth and the stink and the mire of sin is over everything they do that nothing pleases God. Let me give you one last one here. Verse six, the mind of sinful men is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life. Verse 10 picks up on this even more. But if in Christ, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So on the right side, you've got death. And on the left side, you've got life. So if we summarize here what you see in these these two columns that are laid out here that are on the paper, that are on the screen right there in front of you, you've got the life that is in Christ where there is no condemnation, peace with God, life living according to the Spirit, fully perfect and righteous and alive compared to the right side, the life in the flesh, guilty and powerless, fighting against God, totally unsubmissive and rejecting God. They cannot please God. And there's death. These, these are the two lives of our text. These are the two scenarios that each And every one of us find ourselves in one of these. Everyone, everyone in the world, everyone behind the screens right now, every single one of us find ourselves in one of these two scenarios here. There is no third door option C. These are the two scenarios that every single person finds themselves in one of these two spots. And here is the question that immediately pops into my mind as I consider this this little comparison chart, these two lives, the life in Christ, the life in the flesh, as I consider what is presented in front of us from God's word in this text, this side-by-side list, the question I need to ask myself and you today is this, which column currently describes you? Which life, the life in Christ or the life in the flesh, which of those two describes your life right now? Are you living a life in the flesh or are you living a life in Jesus? Are you free from all condemnation or are you still under guilt? For your sin. Are you at peace with God or are you fighting against Him? Are you joyfully submitting to God's ways or do you have your fingers in your ears and you're running the other direction? Are you fully, completely righteous and pure and spotless before God? Are you alive? In Christ? Or are you dead? In your sin? That column on the right. It's the default position. Of every single person. That is where we all start. That is where we all begin. That is where we stay. Unless one very specific thing happens in our lives. There is one thing and only one thing that takes any one of us from the right column in the flesh over to the left column in Christ. And it is this. It is by putting your faith in Jesus. The only thing that transfers you from the right column to the left column is by surrendering your control to Jesus, by delighting in Jesus' character, by obeying his rule over your life, by accepting his forgiveness for your sins when he died on the cross. Paul, in one of his other letters, not in Romans here, but in uh, one of his letters to the Corinthian church, he urges us, examine yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. So I ask you today, which column describes you? Which column describes your life? I was chatting with somebody recently who had cut down a significant part of a, a big oak tree on their property at their house. They chopped down this huge part of this big old oak tree and they they were cutting it up into little sections for firewood. And they started out at the end of the branch where, you know, it was quite narrow and small and they're cutting through and it's good hard wood and chopping it up into little sections. But as it got closer and closer to the heart of the tree, all of a sudden, just in an instant, the saw just started going through just like butter right through the tree. And to his great surprise, he looked down and and on the outside of that big old oak tree, it looked solid, it looked strong. But just below the surface, it was nothing but rot and dust. Well, with you and I, it can be very much the same. Which column, friend, truly describes your soul. Maybe you quickly respond, well, of course I'm the left column. What are you talking about? Let's move on. Maybe your back starts to get up a little bit and you're just like, this is a ridiculous question. It's so obvious. Why are we even camping on this? But but slow down a minute, friend, and examine yourself. Maybe today on the outside looking in, everybody would look at you and you look like that solid, strong oak tree, but just below the surface, what's really going on in your life? Where are you really at with Jesus? Examine yourself. Examine yourself today. Now, maybe that sounds like a rather doom and gloom, pessimistic question, but, but that's not the way the Apostle Paul meant it. The very next verse actually there in 2 Corinthians thirteen six, he says this, I trust that you will discover you have not failed the test. Paul is like, I, I think, and I hope, and I'm optimistic that you are going to pass the test and you're going to see that Jesus is really in you, but, but don't just rush beyond the question, friend. Don't just rush through that reflection. Pause for more than just a moment and examine yourself. Test your faith to see what's really going on. Do you know what some of the biggest dangers are in our day around our circles when it comes to a question like this? We think, we believe stuff. I've heard so many times people say this. Tell me if you resonate with any of these. Maybe you've even said them. We, we, we think and say stuff like, well, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person and I try to do pretty good things and I pray and try to talk to God. That, that means I'm a Christian, right? Right? Well, maybe. But maybe not. Well, I prayed a prayer way back when. I I remember praying the sinner's prayer. That means I'm a Christian, right? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Well, I agree that Jesus is God and I I know what the Bible says. That, That means I'm a Christian, right? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Well, I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up going to church. I grew up around godly parents. That means I'm a Christian, right? I've always been around it. Maybe, but maybe not. Well, I was baptized a bunch of years ago. That means I'm a Christian, right? Maybe, but maybe not. Well, I am here right now. I am at home. I'm tuning in. I'm watching church. I I do this almost every single week. I, I bring my family to church. I do the religious thing that I'm supposed to do. I sing, I pray, I volunteer, I give. That means I'm a Christian, right? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. There is only one way that we are transferred from that right column and all that it describes in the flesh to the left column and all that it describes in Christ. There is only one thing that takes you from the flesh to being in Christ. It is faith in Jesus. Now, all those things that I just listed, they may be the fruit of, of your faith in Jesus. They may be the way you work out and display your faith in Jesus. But hear this, more than a few people have been heartbreakingly deceived into thinking that is what took them, takes them, is going to take them from the right column to the left column praying a prayer, going in the tank, being a good person, intellectually agreeing with the Bible, growing up in a godly family, doing the church thing, none of those things will save you, friend. If that's all you've got, you are still in the right column. None of those things transfer you out of your sin in the flesh. None of them. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered everything else to Jesus? All of you. Is He your greatest treasure and delight? Is he the one who has complete control over your life? Is he the boss who's your voice, you're listening to his voice and following after what he tells you to do? Above all other voices, have you agreed with him that he died on the cross for your sins and asked him for forgiveness by his blood? If you have not, Maybe you're joining us today and this is all brand new and you haven't and you're hearing about for this, this for the very first time. Or, or maybe you've been around the church thing for decades and everyone else would look upon you and you look like that old, strong, solid oak tree. But just below the surface, there is only rot and dust. If you today, for whatever reason, find yourself in that right column, today, friend, today, this very day, can be the day where you go from the right column in the flesh to the left column in Christ. And here is how. It's faith In Jesus, it's faith in Jesus to say, I surrender all to Jesus, to say, I want you to be my greatest treasure, to say, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me, I give my life to you. Do you want a life free from guilt with no condemnation? Do you want to keep trying to fight the mighty God of the universe, or do you want perfect peace? Do you want to live that unsubmissive, rebellious, disobedient life, or do you want to find the joy in living the way you were made to live? Do you want to fully, completely, and perfectly meet God's perfect, pure standard? Or do you want to keep going with the life that is utterly unable? It's impossible to please God. Do you want to be dead or alive? Which of those two columns do you want your life to be? Today, if you want to be in Christ, Give your life to Jesus. Give your life and cry out to him from your very home today. He hears you. He is listening and he has open arms held out to you. And then for those who make that decision right this very day or who look back after examining yourselves and find yourself to be just like Paul said he hopes I trust you'll discover that you have not failed the test you discover I am in Christ I want to remind you I want to assure you I want to reassure you about what is true about you friend what is true about you because of what God has done for you in? Jesus Christ, even though the battle of Romans chapter seven wages inside of you, even though there may be stumbles and struggles and you find that inner war that keeps drawing you back to doing what you don't want to do and not doing what you want to do and wrestling with what is going on inside of me, even as the voices chirp in your ear, I want to remind you of the glorious truths that God says are True of you, because of what God has done for you and I in Christ. First, verse 1, let me just read part of it again. There is now no condemnation for, put your name in there, dear friend. There is no condemnation for you. There are no accusations that stand against you. I know the devil will chirp in your ear and the flesh wants to tell you things like you are not good enough, you've messed up too many times, now you're too far gone, you aren't loved, you aren't secure, you're guilty, you should be filled with shame. I know these accusations will come, but here is the truth of God's word. There is no condemnation, there is a force field of grace over top of you and nothing No accusation can stand against you because Jesus went to the cross for you, friend. Oh, what glorious hope there is for us in Christ. Hear what verse 6 says to you, dear brother and sister who are in Christ. You have peace. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. There is turmoil all around us. I know there is turmoil even going on inside of us. I get it. But no matter how crazy the storm gets or how much it feels like it's raging, the spirit of God is a spirit of peace. He he is like a a cement foundation dug like a thousand feet down into the ground. And so it does not matter how much that storm rages or, or pummels against it. He is not even shaken by an inch. And that perfect spirit of peace is in you and draws you in and says, I will be your refuge and rock. Verse 5, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Oh, dear friend in Christ, hear this. The Spirit of God is working in you. He lives in you. He is molding and shaping and chipping away at you. He is refining you for a purpose. And here's what we must do daily Hourly, sometimes even moment by moment, we go and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill my mind. Renew my mind. We come to the very words of God, which is in the scriptures, and we memorize it. We fill our hearts with it. We chew on it so that when we are driving to work or walking our dog or when those waves of temptation start to come against us and crash against us, we go and we recite verses that we have stored up in our hearts and the Spirit of God renews our minds by this. Oh, what precious gift it is to have the spirit of the living God and to fill our hearts with the word of the living God. He does marvelous work in us, dear brothers and sisters. Dear brother and sister, if you are in Christ, do you realize that you fully meet every single requirement of God's perfect law? That's what verse four says. Jesus lived and died and rose again and has gifted you who have faith in him, his perfection. You are perfect, friend. You are not just forgiven, you are perfect. You have not just been plucked out of a debt that is so big that you could never get out of it and just now have a zero balance. No, no, no. You have been given the eternal inheritance. You've got like a a Jeff Bezos sort of bank account. You've got an Elon Musk sort of bank balance now. It says in Ephesians that God has given us all the gifts, the treasures, every spiritual blessing, In the heavenly realms are yours in Christ. And finally, my dear brother or sister, Jesus has given you life. Back in verse 6 again the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. Apart from Jesus, before Jesus, we are the walking dead. But the Spirit of God has given life to you, spiritual life, born again. And if the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. You have a promise. There is coming a day, and it is coming soon, where you will not just be spiritually alive, but your body, your broken, bent out of shape, often weary and hurting, struggling with sin body, is going to be raised to new life, made new and perfect for all of eternity. So our text today takes a piece of paper out. It grabs a marker and draws a line right down the middle and it creates this picture of these two lives on the left side, a life in Christ. On the right side, a life in the flesh. And it prompts us to ask, which life are you? Which life describes you? Honestly, ask yourself that very question and invite the Spirit of God to examine your heart. But then it asks the question, well, which one do you want to be you? The offer of life is held out to you today. And if this very day, friend, you take hold of that offering and put your faith in Jesus, Or if as you examine yourself, you see by the grace of God that you have put your life into Jesus' hands. I want to remind you, encourage you, assure you, and reassure you. There is absolutely no accusation that can stand against you. You have the spirit of peace who is living in you. He is working to transform you from the inside out. You are perfect in Christ. And you are alive. This is what our God has done for us through Jesus Christ our Lord.